How's it going? It's been a crazy week, Orange County Soccer Club fans. Uh, we've got uh, players coming, players going, a match in the desert, and a couple matches to preview, plus a guest. So we've got a lot to talk about, and we're going to try and do it all in an hour or less. Let's see if we can do it. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore Soccer Cast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I will be with you on this journey tonight as we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. So I'm going to get straight to the introductions of the normal other gentlemen that are on here. Let's start off first with the man from Caroline Coalition. That is Dylan. Dylan, how are things with you? They're warm here, and I'm going to get sick. I say this every time, um, but they're, they're good. They're all right. Um, they're optimistic for what's to come this week. Definitely, and thank you for you know taking time to get prepped for our stream and looking good in the, you on know, the camera. Anytime, I, I want everyone to know that at all times I am at my um, most beautiful. He said it. Yeah. <laughs> let's drop down. Let's drop down south to the man down in San Diego who uh, has been with us ever since he opened up a bag of Doritos on the USL show. That is Alan. Alan, how are you doing, man? You got some Doritos for us? Nope. I'm good. You? You're, you're trying to confuse me with this camera work here. Simple as sweet from Alan. Uh, how, how are you doing, uh, all jokes aside? Uh, no, great. Uh, I know we have a lot to talk about. So, uh, like, a lot, a lot to talk about. So, um, I'll leave the platitudes behind because it's serious business time for Orange County. It is. It's it's time for us to be serious out here. But first, we also got to welcome on the uh, fourth person joining in on the discussion tonight. Uh, the man that is further west than we are filming this or recording this or streaming this, that is Brad up in Reno. Brad, how are we doing? Uh, I'd just like to point out – actually, yes, you are right. I was backwards. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, over the last week, my car broke down, got fixed, and dealerships are scummy. That's why they're called dealerships, Brad. Ha. Uh... I see. Our um, Alan is our sound effect guy and he doesn't have it ready. Uh, so again, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. The first thing we're going to talk about is the news that sort of was breaking news uh, today officially, but I think there were some members of this team that already knew this was coming yesterday. We're recording this Tuesday evening, so this happened Tuesday in the morning time, uh, and that is the announcement of the departure of one Chris Weehan who had just joined the club this season from New Mexico was doing pretty good out there. And all of a sudden we find out he is being sold to New Mexico United is what the word is. Uh, there's sort of numbers flying around of what the amount is. And, and there's rumors flying around that this is a record signing uh, a record transfer of a USL to USL uh, franchise. The report from Kevin Baxter on Twitter was that it was in the, numbers of around 80,000, which um, that seems like a decent amount. But then I think there's also some rumblings around that that's not quite it and that there may be more behind this story that we are unaware of and people are being respectful of each other's privacy on this, it seems like. So let's, I'm gonna go straight to you, Dylan. Um, were you shocked when you found out that this was happening and what? how are you feeling now, what, 12 hours after the announcement? Not even 12 hours, actually. Yeah. Um, I guess I was surprised when this rumor appeared, courtesy of a little birdie. Um, but then again, I guess I, th I thought about it a little bit more and it made a little bit of sense. Um, it's not been really, I think, utilized to 
the maximum of what he could have been here. Um, I feel like we kind of just bypassed the left-hand side most of the time. Um, but he still had a good amount of results um, and performances. It's just a, wow, it's a, a little bit of a weird one. Um, I talked to um, Chris Wien's wife uh, earlier today, uh, the Holly Wien, um, and I just, I just asked, you know, um, she was not super jazzed with Kevin Baxter's claim, but it was an $80,000 transfer fee. Um, I thought it was a little bit interesting that the club would not disclose it because it was confidential, but then they had club staff retweeting Kevin Baxter's um, guess at a number. And so that makes me think that maybe it's not particularly a guess of a number and maybe Kevin Baxter was fed some information. Um, and who knows if that's true, because obviously you just need one person to take that info, and then you've got a couple articles um, written about it within a few hours, um, mentioning that number. But she said that uh, that number was not accurate. Uh, she won't and can't not discuss uh, the details of it. Um, but there was a transfer fee. It was not 80 grand. And um, she said, at this time, she's going to be bigger people and moving them on. Uh, she wishes the club the best in the future and said the players are a really great, really great group of guys. So um, there's a lot going on. I think there's some um, disappointment and some anger and apologies for the background noise. Uh, it is my dog watching TV, yes. Um, but yeah, I think there's some frustration here and I think it, it kind of shown through and I think it's a little bit, I think the most interesting thing here is that the club would not say how much money it was but then you have club staff retweeting a reporter saying how much money it was. So and there's more of a story the, there. I'm certain of that. I'm sure there is. And I don't know if we will, if ever, we will hear the full details of the story. Sometimes uh, it's sure difficult to find out. There you go, huh? Uh, but, and let me clarify here, because I did say it's, it's believed to be the largest transfer, uh, uh, interleague transfer in USL history. Most USL clubs don't really disclose what they're paying or what their uh, fees they're paying to get players. So it's hard to really uh, get the exact numbers on that, but that's what we're hearing. Uh, Alan, you were probably one of the first out of this group to sort of put these pieces together on what was going on. There was a, a tweet that was a pretty solid hint from New Mexico uh, late yesterday. Uh, I don't know if that's what tipped you off or if you have some insider help. Uh, I know you do a pod with uh, Mr. Chris uh, out there who also does the New Mexico stuff. So he might've known he's the one that actually reached out to us before Weehan was announced with Orange County and basically told me, Hey, Weehan's going to Orange County. So maybe he knows he has those inside connections. Uh, how did you put the pieces together and what were your thoughts on, on all this? Uh, I mean, I, I heard some of the same rumors that you guys heard. Um, I, then I kind of asked because I noticed I didn't watch the Phoenix game live, so I didn't notice that Weehan wasn't even in the 18. And so I was like, that was puzzling. Uh, but then I know that uh, Andy brought up that, you know, he took a pretty decent knock on his previous match. and He just might have been unavailable, which is, you know, a, a factual statement that is, you know, could be true. Uh, but I think really that New Mexico tweet with the 41 um, was was cryptic enough that you probably could have missed it um but it seems like there's a lot of depth to the story that we're never going to know and i think i'm okay with that um I, I think it's people just trying to be as professional as possible in a in a situation that you know can get ugly really fast with you know one side says this the other side says this and all of a sudden you know you're getting into a part where I think a lot of this, these conversations are okay with kind of just letting it go. Like, you know, he didn't seem necessarily maybe that he was that happy in Orange County, whatever he was happy or unhappy with um, seemed like some of the tweets made it seem like he got along with the team pretty well uh, and the players on the team. Uh, so it, there's definitely like a lot of people hinting around uh, the edges around this stuff. Uh, whether it's, you know, Orange County saying, you know, we can't say anything, but this is the largest, you know, USL to USL team transfer ever. Um, I would like to know the number because I think that's something just in general with USL markets where we're trying to establish a, a transfer market. 
uh, lack of that knowledge means a, a we're for, we're not anywhere closer to an established transfer market for second division soccer in America, which is a shame. Um, because as soon as that gets you know established, you're going to see a lot more transfers and and that transfer market grow. But you know you you always wish this is like the conversation we had with Aiden Quinn. It's like you you appreciate the player when he's on your team, and you wish him the best when he leaves because clearly it seems to be that's where he wanted to be, and he's going to be you know maybe he's happier there, maybe he just fits the system a little bit better. Whatever the situation is, you just got to wish him the best. And as a fan, you have very little control over a lot of this stuff and so you just kind of take it with a grain of salt and move on uh maybe you'll be happier maybe you see him in the playoffs and you know you say hey you could have been here if you beat them um but i mean i i enjoyed my our conversations with him i think him being local he got to experience some stuff uh in in a professional environment that he didn't get to with his fan his family getting a chance to see him um but ultimately you know, players come, players go, and you got to hope that the players making the best choice for themselves. So, uh, part of the thoughts I had when all this started announced, and I'm not saying this is the the reason, but this is just things that start coming to my mind, is you do have players like Seth Kasipoli and like Thomas Hennebolton that are slated to come back into the fold of things here in the near future. Um, you know, potentially you you have a situation where a player is being told you're going to probably lose some of your minutes because you know you have a Ronaldo Damas who is playing well above what was expected out of him. Probably you head into the season, you're looking at Thomas Ennevoldson and Chris Weehan uh, and maybe a Darwin Jones up top. And now it's difficult to remove someone like Ronaldo Thomas uh, from the lineup with how he's performing. Thomas Ennevoldson is a big part of the, the club's uh, plans and thoughts and ideas. Is there any chance that that's part of what the problem was? Just this, again, speculation. I'm going to go to you, Brad. Is this possibility that, uh, you know, Chris is being told, hey, your minutes are going to be reduced because – we have players coming back from injury that we feel fit our system better. Uh, and maybe it leads to this opportunity for him to head back to a team that he's a little bit more familiar with. Um, you know, I couldn't go super into detail, not knowing the full story. Um, but, you know, you are right. There are players returning back to Orange County that we need to keep an eye on, uh, you know, players like Seth Kasipley. Uh, that are going to be returning, and I, I don't know what to say exactly. You know, when it comes to Weehan and what to expect, or you know, I don't know. It's just a lot of speculation. There's a whole entire story out there, like Alan was saying, that we don't know yet. Um, and I don't even know if it's worth the time sometimes. To, I guess to pursue it because, uh, just like uh. Chris's wife said, you know, kind of just leave it in the past at this point, you know, move on. They wish does the best of luck. Uh, and I wish uh, the Weehan family the best of luck as well. Yeah, I think um, when you think about it, like I, I think all of us here, we, we're all fans of Chris Weehan, his, his time with the club. He's, he was great. He's jumped on the show with us. So no hard feelings against him as far as the fans go. I think a lot of the fans appreciate what he did and appreciate um, his performance in club, it's just going to be that head-scratching thing that a lot of us are going to be like, what really happened here? Because I think um, a lot of us, and, and I think even the club was excited to be able to sign a Chris Weehan uh, late last calendar year. You know, I think it was even before the 2021 season, had, or sorry, 2020 season had fully ended. I think the, the announcement had come through. I know we were still doing our 2020 podcasts when he was announced. So um, maybe we'll hear more about this in the in the coming days, coming weeks. Um, maybe things will leak. Dylan's shaking his head no, but you never know. Things can happen. Um, you know, th that's the world we live in where, you know, one little mistweet or miscomment after a match or something might at least give us a little bit more. We might not, we'll, we'll probably never know the full story about, about all this, but we might learn a little bit more here and there about some of this stuff. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we do have some incoming players to talk about, but before we do that, I want to jump onto the big match that happened this past weekend, Orange County, traveling out to the desert there at Wild Horse Pass, I believe is what that place is called. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, decently empty Wild Horse Pass, uh, you know, compared to what we've seen from Phoenix in the past. But uh, Orange County heads out there. They take a 1-0 lead. And I'd love to say, as an Orange County fan, that that's exciting to take that 1-0 lead, especially against 
a Phoenix squad that's been really tough to score against. But as we all know too well, Orange County can take leads early in matches and somehow, some way, drop those points. I think they're the league leaders in drop points from um, positions of leading in the score. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have the stat in front of me. I'm just guessing. I believe it's that. Uh, since July started. I believe it's ten dropped points in the last month, month and a half. Yeah, something crazy like that, which is is definitely disappointing. Uh, Orange County takes the lead into extra time, and due to a lot of we'll say milking of injuries and cramps and uh, you know, getting into little tussles with players to try and kill the clock. Uh, there was eight minutes of at a time and eight minutes of at a time was definitely enough for Phoenix to get the equalizer. And that's disappointing. Uh, at least I guess the positive I could say is at least we didn't give up two goals in extra time to uh, drop all three points. I'm going to go to Alan first because now you've experienced this twice uh, with San Diego doing similar to what Orange County did in Phoenix. Uh, what do you feel now that you've gone through this twice and now you sort of, you, you've seen it, you're like, I've seen this all before and it's happening again. And what went wrong for Orange County uh, in those what final three minutes of extra time? Um, I don't necessarily think anything necessarily went wrong for Orange County. I think this is just what who phoenix rising is right now i i think you can say the same thing about el paso is is at home they will play until the final whistle um and it's not like they didn't have looks in the game it's not like orange county was defend like they're defending well but phoenix was knocking on the door a couple times and they just happened to break through this time um i was saying earlier this game could have been 4-1 phoenix or 2-0 orange county and both of those outcomes make sense with what happened in this match uh, it just means, you know, with Phoenix at home, you have to play all the way to the final whistle. You can't, you can't turn off at all because they will hurt you. Um, I, I think this was a pretty impressive outing for Orange County, particularly um, after the defensive outing against Los Dos. Um, there was a lot of good defensive moments, um, <laughs> some amazing goalkeeping we just saw in the highlights. I think without him, it, this is a much different match. He's kind of the the man of the match, but. You know, I, I think for a road game for Orange County, this is a good one. Um, much like San Diego, you say, hey, you're going to get a point on the road against Phoenix. I think before the match, you take that. Um, but then also, you know, leading the match and then giving up a goal at the end doesn't feel great. Um, but you know you can score against Phoenix. You can know you can play them tough. So now you have a little bit of a mental edge going into the next game uh, against Phoenix. And, and let me say, I was on a Phoenix Rising podcast called The Fan Experience uh, on Sunday after this match and to talk a little bit about what happened. And I will say the 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 people on that show were giving props to Orange County's defense for most of that match. They felt like we, we had a solid defensive plan for Phoenix and we were holding them uh, a potent offensive team in Phoenix. We were holding them to no goals for 90-something minutes. You know, I, I, we're watching the highlights. We're watching the Ronaldo Damas uh, opportunity one-on-one -on -one versus Andre Rawls. Uh, I know that's difficult for some people because Andre Rawls is a fan favorite here in Orange County as well. So it's hard to cheer for one or the other, although Ronaldo's currently wearing Orange County, so we're going to cheer for him. Uh, he missed it. Uh, can we give? Can we be hard on him on that, or do we have to sort of give him a break on that because of probably a lot of stuff going on in his mind outside of soccer? I'll jump to you on this one, Dylan. I'm going to let you answer this question. Wow, way to really just throw a downer in there in the last second with that uh, earthquake reference. I'm guessing. Um, no, I. Well, let me let me ask you this real quick, Dylan. Were you shocked to see Ronaldo in the starting eleven uh, with what was going on? Because I'm sure he has friends and family that he's concerned about at, at kickoff. No. I. I have to go with no, and that, I mean. It was like three, four years ago that uh, Borussia Dortmund had a bomb go off next to their bus, and then the next day UEFA told the team that they had to play. Um, usually, you know, if it's going to be the birth of your child or like a, a death of a parent. But even then, I think Jonathan Dos Santos about two weeks ago lost his father earlier in the day and then um, was in the starting lineup for Mexico uh, a few hours later. So not... A huge surprise, but I also don't think that it's fair to criticize him too heavily 
for missing that one. Um, we've missed, we've watched a lot of players miss some pretty clear-cut chances, and he puts most of those away. Um, I mean, we watched Thomasina Voltsen scuff a, a much more clear one a few months ago, and, and I think it was the same thing where you don't you don't ride him that hard because uh, I mean he's been he's been on fire this season and he's been really good and he's still young. Um, I think if we concede a goal 20 minutes earlier in this match, I feel like we're a little bit more okay with the result, but conceding another extra time result is another gut punch. And even watching this one after the fact, because I didn't get to watch it live and knowing it was coming, it still just takes like, just takes the breath away and you're just kind of, okay, like we're cursed. Um, but you know, this team turns something on uh, against Phoenix, and we have a lot of new players, so that's nice, and hopefully it means that we turn something on uh, down this backstretch of the season, because a lot of these matches are going to start to all kind of be do or die, like this one. So, let me jump on this, because now this is sort of the second match in a row where Orange County fans may feel a little slighted or a little bit like the officials did them wrong. I know not everyone does, but I know there's been a lot of rumblings on social media and fan chat groups and stuff like that. I'm talking, of course, sort of about the eight minutes of at a time. I know we all talked about this before we went live, and and it seems like all of us are like, you can make an argument for the eight minutes of, of at a time. And I, I think there's also some people that feel like you can make an argument that eight minutes is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I'm going to you know jump on with a, a comment on our live stream from Andy, superfan. Uh, his comment is, games with three VAR reviews don't get eight minutes of stoppage time, which I, I think anyone that's watched games that have VAR can probably say, yeah, that probably seems right. Uh, I, I've never watched one with three VAR reviews, so I don't know off the top of my head. But um, I'm going to go to you, Brad. Thoughts on this. Is, is there an argument to be made that there was too much added time? And I know Phoenix scored, I think, in the sixth minute we talk about, but can an argument be made that it should have been more like six minutes of added time and not eight minutes? And would that would that have made a difference? Yes, the argument can be made. Um, however, at the same time, like you know, we're not professional soccer refs. Uh, there was a lot of time wasting. You know, I always, as a fan, I hate when enemy or opposing teams do it to teams that I watch, and I hate it when my team does it to to teams that we're playing against because a i just think it's a disrespectful thing to do to time waste uh even if even in close games you know uh there's a line between absolute time wasting like going down with faking injuries and just kind of taking your time to get to a ball uh let me just make that clear i don't necessarily disagree with eight minutes i think it is a little bit excessive but i can understand how they could have gotten to that and even so there was a injury um, where an Orange County player went down at the beginning of stoppage time. So even if it was only six minutes of stoppage time, you could easily argue that they were going to add time on top of that because Orange County was wasting a little bit of stoppage time during stoppage time. So I'm going to go to each of you for this next question because, uh, as we all know, Phoenix was able to score a, a goal off across to the back post. Uh, at that moment, Orange County had uh, subbed out, already subbed out Kevin Alston who, when you look at the the roster for this match, there was only two outside backs, and that was Kevin Alston and Brent Richards. So when you take someone like a Kevin Alston out and bring in a Kobe Henry, now you have, I believe, Michael Orozco was playing on that left-back position uh, for this opportunity. So we're seeing players, and, and we can't blame the club, the coach, because Alston was on a yellow, and you know I, I don't think we can expect a full 90 minutes out of him each and every match at this point in his career, you have to sub something, and this is the best defender option you have to bring in there because of the injuries. Uh, was there anything else that could have been done uh, strategically to help prevent this? I, again, is there anyone else we could have done? or any, Should we have kept Kevin Alston in there um, because of the situation in such a big match? Would it, quick reaction to this. I'll go to you first, Dylan. Uh, no, I don't think you leave Kevin Alston in there against a team that has a lot of pace like Phoenix um, and a team that's going to work as hard as they're going to work at home to maintain that unbeaten record. I think we did our best here. 
Um, or I should say, I think Braden did his best with what he had uh, at his availability. But yeah, this is one of those where you really wish he had Nathan Smith because, uh, you know, he's going to do a full 90 and put uh, Santi Moore in his pocket and uh, wind up solo while he's at it. So, oh well, we move on, right? Uh, this team's only getting fitter, and so the next match, we might not be having this conversation. Definitely. I'm going to let me get your thoughts on this, Alan, uh, before we get to Brad and move on from this. I mean, we've seen Orozco play kind of a, you know, left back, right back situation. So you just trust a guy who's a defender to know, especially one that is um, as experienced as Michael, uh, Michael Orozco to cover that position uh, for the last eight minutes in stoppage time. I mean, sometimes you just you trust your players and you roll the dice and it, it doesn't quite work out. Um, you know, I, I've seen really well oiled back lines give up goals like that but just because they miss a rotation or they, you know, they they turn off for a minute or two. So I, I don't think you can really necessarily blame who's in what position where. Uh, you just got to trust your players to make a play. And, you know, Phoenix did and Orange County didn't in that situation. Um, and you know, I, you can say the same thing about the Orange County goal. It was like, it wasn't like this, like well-worked, amazing baller of a play. It was Kaninga's putting a really nice shot on goal, uh, and it went in. And sometimes you just have a guy doing an individual play that that makes a difference. And Miko made one for Orange County, and uh, and Prince Sadie got his first goal for Phoenix. And I think you know, it's one of those things where. Yeah, you look at look back. You're like, we could have done this. We should have done that. But you know, this could have happened with Kevin Alston in the game too. I mean, you, you can't second guess yourself. You got to play the hand that you're dealt and put your best cards forward that you have. And you know, Orange County's a talented enough team that this is, that would that move probably works out eight times out of ten. And this is one of the few times it didn't. Um, I really only have one thing to add on to the things that Dylan and Alan said. Uh, you know, we've criticized the team, uh, Coach Cloutier, uh, for doing the exact opposite. Yeah, I know I keep pronouncing people's names wrong, but we criticized this in the past for doing the exact opposite and not using subs, you know. And Andy said it in the chat that Kevin Alston's already on a yellow there and, you know, you don't want a player like him missing a game by picking up a red in the last, you know, what is that? Eight plus eight, 16 minutes of game time. Cause there was eight minutes of stoppage. So yeah, it's unfortunate. You don't want to, you don't want to have to give up a goal like that, but it could go either way. Cause what if he does stay in the game? The same thing happens. We're instead here saying, well, why don't we use subs? We continue not to use subs. So choose your side of the coin. This is how it ended up this week. Perfect. So um, with the result in this match, the 1-1 draw, uh, we have our prediction competition. I want to say Dylan uh, has been on a little bit of a slump lately. I know some of them he didn't provide uh, predictions, but the last two that he has, he's coming up with a goose egg. Uh, but he's still in first place. He got zero points this week, but he has 51 total. Uh, Brad is in second. He got three points this week to bring his total up to 41. You're within 10 uh, points of striking and Catching Dylan there, uh, Brad, so keep it up. Uh, Alan, you got three points as well, so you're at 36. You're not too far behind, and I'm bringing up the bottom of the table. I still got three points this week, though. I did better than Dylan in this match, so I'll, I'll take that as a positive, pat myself on the back. I can only go up from here, right? I can't I can't go any further down at this point, uh, so that is our competition there. Um, I'm going to give everyone a last chance to talk about this match if they have any last comments. If not, you can pass, and we can move on to other discussions. Good job, Patrick Rakowski. By the way, he's he's nominated for uh, save of the week, right? So mm -hmm. that's a that's a I guess a positive from this. That was a pretty darn good save too. It sucks constantly finding ways to pull defeat out of the jaws of victory or tying or a tie out of the jaws of victory, um, and it's definitely been an uncomfortable month of soccer to watch. But, you know, Patrick Rakowski was a highlight of Saturday's game. Uh, he he made some saves that that a lot of other keepers in the league wouldn't have made. Last thought from you, Dylan? 
for those not watching our live stream, he's just shaking his head no. Um, so we will move on. Uh, we do have a scheduled guest. We're trying to get him on here. So let's just uh, talk about some of these newer signings that we've had while we're waiting for our guests to hopefully jump on with us. One of those uh, announcements this past week was one that we sort of, that Dylan did a good job of hinting on in our last episode. You uh, should take the credit because you figured out who it was. I was just the guy that was like, I don't really care. I'm just like, let's get it. Let's just say who it is. Dylan Powers. Yeah. And his Go name is spelled the wrong way. I was going to say, since he shares the same pronunciation of a first name with you, go ahead and give your thoughts on that signing. Could you say that word again? Pronunciation. For those of you who are listening, that's not how it's said. Um, sure, we share a name and just about nothing else in common. But uh, yeah, he's, he's back in the US after a bit of a spell out in Scotland. Um, and I think he really, having him will free up one, um, Tommy McCabe and Miko Kudingas and Eric Calvillo to get as many uh, yellow cards as they'd like over the next couple weeks. And we won't be stuck trying to play Michael Roscoe in a six um, when we need him to play as a left back. Other than that, uh, I don't know. It'll be nice to see, I think, Miko Kudingas move up a little bit and maybe play... I hope as like more of an eight than a six, uh, maybe no longer as an inverted winger on the right hand side. And that, that really comes down to uh, Ben Me Means, Mines. I'm not sure how to say his last name. Uh, unfortunately, the pronunciation of that one I'm unsure of, but uh, some much needed reinforcements uh, with a pretty big departure with Chris Wien. And I think what is now proving to be a pretty slow um, journey to recovery for uh, Thomas Enoboldson. Are we ready well, uh, with the other winger of ours? <laughs> I believe we are ready. I see him in the green room, so we're going to try and bring him on, um, and then we'll get back to talk about some of these uh, additions to the roster. Yeah. Uh, we have a uh, winger for Orange County Soccer Club, but also one of the longest tenured players on the roster, a fan favorite. I know uh, I was recently at a match uh, when he was out there warming up with one of his returning match, and he wasn't even in the match yet, and Caroline Coalition was going crazy. Let's bring him on, Darwin Jones. Darwin, welcome to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. it. It's going great. Let me ask you about that. those type of moments. Like, you hadn't even really gotten on the pitch yet. You're just out there warming up in front of the fans. Uh, they're seeing you probably for the first time in quite a long time uh, right there. What, what's that feeling like to hear the fans get excited just watching you warm up on the on the sidelines right there? I felt really welcoming. You know, I, I appreciate it a lot because, you know, it's been a long journey and it, it's always nice when you got people, you know what I'm saying, pushing you and wanting you to be on the field and wanting to see you out there. So it meant a lot. Yeah, no, and, and you're definitely a big fan favorite out there. Uh, again, you're one of the longest tenured uh, players on this roster. So you've seen the evolution of where we were, I believe, that year we lost to Phoenix uh, in the Western Conference Championship and to where we are now. What's some of the biggest differences you've seen from then to what you're seeing now with the, the roster of the club and even just the fans at the stadium? Um, I'm saying we've just grown in a lot of different ways. You know, we've got more depth on our roster and um, we got better fan base, I could say. And um, we got more experience on the staff and like everybody's learned from that. And, you know, we, we use it as a stepping stone. So we've all grown. And you've seen a lot of uh, good quality young players come into this squad in your time. What it, what are you what is your role with these players in getting them prepared to become professional soccer players and, and to develop and, and grow their career and become the best players that they can be? You know, I just try to give them as much advice as I can, like how it was for me when I was younger, growing up, you know, had a lot of the veteran players trying to give me a good advice, you know what I'm saying? Because obviously we want to see them do well out there on the field when they get their chance and let them know what it takes and how they can prepare themselves mentally, physically, so they don't have any setbacks. So I wanted to mention, because we had, um, we, we, we had shot uh, Ugo Coley on last week and he mentioned, okay. you know, your guys, your time together uh, up north, up in the Pacific Northwest uh, with, uh, as players, how is it uh, having a, a familiar face on the roster like that? Someone that you've you've played with even back in the days, and that you grew up with, and that you 
uh, learned this to be a professional soccer player with on the same roster with you now? No, it helps a lot. You know, we got a lot of good chemistry. You know, we know what each other want and what we need from each other. So we could push each other. So it, it helps just, you know, just seeing him in the locker rooms, me, him seeing me, you know, it just he has good spirit. He's a good teammate. He's a good locker room guy. He's great, great on the field. And, you know, we just got good chemistry. So it just helps with both. So, uh, you know, I, I would assume the last year and a half or so has been pretty difficult for you as a player. You know, when you're injured, dealing with injuries, it's hard to, uh, you know, you want, I'm sure you want to be out there on the pitch as much as you can and scoring goals and whatnot. What is a player in your position in, in that situation? And maybe this is a message to younger players that might go through this sometime in the, in their career. What, uh, is the, what do you go through mentally and how do you get past that? And how do you prepare yourself for when you're ready to return to the pitch? For me, I just try to, you know, take it day by day and control what you can control because, you know, you don't want to be doing too much to set yourself back. And at the same time, you just want to stay the course and not lose focus on the goal, which is to get back on the field and be healthy and contribute to the team. And, and so now the club's coming off a, a probably definitely a heartbreaking uh draw i mean yeah. a lot of time when you say hey we got to draw in phoenix <laughs> that's a positive but when you're going into what the the 95th 96th minute and you're leading and then you uh concede a goal like that uh, that can be a little deflating uh what was the the atmosphere like with the players after that like how how does that motivate you to to do better in this next match what we have tomorrow against tacoma well you know like the league you know they push for phoenix a lot you know like there's a lot of hype around phoenix so for us, you know, we went in there with high expectations to get three points, and we felt like we did everything right. And it, you know, it sucks to not get the three points, but we did get one point, so it showed that we got a lot of fight. We got a lot of um, good players. We got a lot of good, you know, I don't know, just say like, I don't know, a lot of players that stepped up, and um, it shows that it doesn't matter who we play, when it, when or where, you know, we can always get get the win and we're just going to take that into this weekend and just like we're up for phoenix we just got to be up for every game just like that and it doesn't matter who the opponent is so if it's tacoma if it's san diego it doesn't matter we're still looking for three points all right um now that we've looked looked at the the very present moment and looked uh forward to tomorrow and saturday um darwin you've been under contract or you've been announced as you've been an orange county player publicly since july 17th 2018 um, and you've worn number 17 for the last three years. So why? I mean, why, why have you stuck with it? And, and what led you there in the first place? Um, well, when I first came out of college, you know, my rookie year in Seattle, I wore 17. So, like, it kind of just stuck with me. I wore it there for two years. And when I came back, I wore, when I came to Orange County, I wore 13 and then didn't really want to wear 13. So, I knew that 17 was open and it was available after that 2018 season. So I just took in, you know, it's just a number I like and stuck with me. Um, also looking back at the past, um, or hopefully right now, uh, you've played in quite a few places and quite a few countries as well. Which, which place, which club has had the best weather? Oh, Orange County, hands down. <laughs> Orange County, <laughs> for sure. I will, I will. Can we ask? Can we ask the all the the opposite question? Which uh, wh where have you played that's had the worst weather? Worst weather? Hmm. I, I would say um, Florida, just because you know the humidity and you never know it could be nice outside. And next, you know, it's a downpour. We've had training sessions that got canceled just because of the the rain and all that type of stuff. So like, that was probably the worst for me. And by all means, I mean, I, I think we've seen videos recently of uh, training sessions where alligators are interrupting the training sessions uh, when <laughs> exactly. uh, players are at the practicing. So I'm, I'm sure that's not what a soccer player nah. wants is, is an alligator creeping up on them while they're uh, trying to score a goal, right? <laughs> not at all. Uh, I'm going to let uh, Alan jump on if, if Alan has a question or two for you. Yeah. So uh, last season was a, a particularly unique season for sports in general. Uh We've, we see a lot more player movement this year than we had last year, obviously. Uh, what is that like being in a locker room with guys kind of coming? We've had a bunch of new guys come in. What is that like in the locker room uh, when a new guy comes in? Is there like an excitement or is it just like business as usual? Welcome in. How's it going? Let's get to business. 
Uh, we welcome everybody that comes in the locker room. I have to say, like, that's one of the staples for the team is, like, we have a really good locker room. So, like, we embrace everybody that walks through the door, even if it's a player, staff member, it doesn't matter, you know. It's always enjoyable to have somebody in there, and we treat them like family. And once we lose one, you know, it's like losing a family member. So we never want to see that happen. At the same time, we, we'll embrace somebody as soon as they come up because it's next man up. Nice. And and being in the Orange County for a while, where's your like new go like a go to favorite spot that you've been hyping now that you get be able to like go back out in public? Like What are you talking like food? Food, coffee, whatever your vibe is, like where's the place in Orange County that you're like, I would been hankered for this place now that we're <laughs> able to like get back out again. Where where are you going? Lately I've been going to this um breakfast brunch spot in Irvine called Poach Poach Kitchen. Very good. They got very good breakfast and brunch. Do you have like a standard order or are you just like whatever you're feeling that day? Um, they have some really good churro waffles that I get. Probably the best waffles I ever had. <laughs> churro waffles. That's not yeah, dope. you guys got to try it. I'm definitely going to have to make that trip over. Maybe we can get Brad to to drive down there uh, this weekend to, to try it out. Brad lives in Reno, by the way, so that's why I sort of <laughs> make that joke. Um, <laughs> Brad, uh, you got a question or two for, for Darwin? Yeah, so uh, last week when uh, we had uh, Ugo on the episode uh, and we, we were talking about your guys' bond and competitiveness between each other, I asked him uh, who was going to win the competition for most goals between the two of you by the end of the season. Uh, I want your take on it, and uh, why are you going to win that competition? Um, I wouldn't even say we, like, gonna compete against each other you know we we just gonna compete in general like i'm not gonna say i'm gonna have more goals in because that's just not the type of person i am but you know i fancy myself on the pitch anytime i'm out there so like i always want to be the best player on the field i always want to you know help the team in any way i can and if that's me getting goals or if it's me getting assists or me putting in a hard 90 90 minute shift or 45 minute shift 15 minute shift then that's what the team needs and that's what I'm here for. But um goals, you know, I hope I hope I I score more goals, but you never know. He's a good player, so you can't put it past him either. It, it has to be sort of a disadvantage, right? Because Ugo plays that holding exact uh, attacking player. So he's gonna be in front of the goal ninety yeah. percent of the time where you're having to uh, make those overlaps and you have to get the cross yeah. into the top of the box and get that shot in. So it's a yeah. little bit easier to score <laughs> when you're right there in front of the goalie. Um I don't know if Brad had another question for you, but uh, I no, want to sort of jump on the, the Ugo uh, train here is we, we spoke with him last week and we just asked him the question, uh, was there maybe another sport if you didn't become a soccer player, didn't become a professional soccer player, was there another sport that, uh, that was, you know, in his wheelhouse? And he mentioned baseball was something he played a lot as a kid might not have been able to make it as a pro, but that was something he did a lot. Is there a sport that you were, uh, uh, uh an alternate sport of soccer wasn't your thing. Is there an alternate sport you would have, uh, possibly been uh, a pro at yeah I, I grew up playing basketball and football i would say i probably would have pushed more towards football just because you know the height and size really doesn't matter too much you know what i'm saying but i think i probably could have made a strong push for football for sure if i stuck with it and you mentioned basketball and i know you were in the pacific northwest for a while did you ever get to meet any of the great ballers from up there like jamal crawford or isaiah thomas or any of the other big ballers from the pacific northwest Oh, for sure, yeah. When I went to UW, those guys just come up there all the time and use our facilities. And, you know, I'd go up to, like, the little pro-am summer league games. So I see those guys all the time. And I have two little cousins that play in the NBA right now. So, yeah. I see Who, are these cousins? Well. Who are these cousins in the NBA that, that you got? You got to share. Yeah, I have a little cousin named Jaden McDaniels and his um, older brother, Jalen McDaniels. One plays for the Timberwolves and one plays for the Hornets. Nice. It's a, it's you know, the the athletic pedigree there in the family, right? You got you got some athletes in there. Yeah. And I just asked about the basketball because I know that's like a huge culture up there in the Pacific no, Northwest. And a lot of those players just support each other, oh, for um, sure. regardless of what they do in their career. Yeah, I think it's just Seattle sports in general. We all just like support each other, no matter if it's soccer, basketball, football, baseball. You know, we we all like to see each other out there thriving in our professions. Perfect. And then one last question for me, a little bit outside of uh, sports. It's something I ask a lot of players just because I'm huge, a huge music 
a fan. Is there like a particular like song right now or artist right now that you love to listen to pre-match to get hyped up and get ready for the match? Um, or just a classic one that you've always used yeah. throughout your career. Well, I listen to a lot of uh, Nipsey Hussle. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's an LA rapper. You know, he passed away a few years ago, but I listen to a lot of his music just because it's, you know what I'm saying? It gets the mind right. and gets you in a good state of mind. Yeah. He, uh, I, I feel you with the Nipsey Hustle. That's, that's some good stuff right there. I used to, yeah. I'll bump him every so often. And yeah, oh, okay. it, was, it was sad okay. to know that, that it was sad to hear that he went way too early, yeah. uh, but uh, you know, he was, he was really good. He had some good messages in some of his songs. Oh, for too, sure. Pretty cool. For sure. Um, I'm going to ask Alan and Dylan, I'm sorry, Alan and Brad, do you have one last fun question for uh, Darwin before we head over to Dylan and let him ask the final question of the night? No, I'm just glad to see him back out there on, on the pitch. Uh, He's been an exciting player for the team uh, to watch, so I'm, I'm glad he's out doing his thing again. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, all right, Darwin, uh, you're 29, so maybe in your prime, but a little bit older than most USL players. Uh, so have to have gotten so far, I'm guessing you've eaten some vegetables. It's the one question <laughs> I ask everyone. Yeah. What's your favorite vegetable, and how do you prepare it? Um, my favorite probably is broccoli, and I'll usually just um, grill it some olive oil, a little garlic powder, maybe some salt, pepper. You get it. You understand yeah, completely. Exactly. <laughs> he scores goals. So using... He cooks broccoli properly. Yeah. Darwin Jones can do it all, everyone. <laughs> not using the rice cooker and just steaming it uh, in one of those rice cookers. I forget. Who was it that that was their, their broccoli recipe, Dylan? You, you gotta, <laughs> that, was, that was Charlie Adams. Oh, Charlie Adams. Okay. Yeah, so when you see him on Saturday, <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can just – you know, you can start running your mouth a little bit, and I'm sure he'll exactly. I know how to cook broccoli the right confused. way. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me do this. Uh, I, I want to give you a last chance, Darwin. If you have any message for the fans that, that are listening, either on the live stream or when we release this in podcast format, uh, any last message for the fans uh, heading into this weekend, or, or actually the match tomorrow and this weekend? Um, I just want to say thank you guys for always coming out and supporting the team and the organization and um, look forward to seeing you guys out there tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, Saturday and the rest of the season, and hopefully we can win this championship and bring it home for you guys. And I'm going to ask you, Darwin, please, at least on Saturday, make sure we take care of that San Diego team so we can make Allen up there cry. Cause he's from San Diego and he <laughs> actually is part of the supporters group over there in San Diego. So we want to, we want to see him in tears when we see him next Tuesday. Um, and I want to say this. I think I'm just going to make a comment right now. I think Darwin, he's going to be uh, uh, one of the top options for fan favorite player of the year. Because I, 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 I could just feel the love from the fans when they just see you either on the sidelines, on the pitch. They, they love that. And, you know, you've been here so long. I think they just have that connection with you. So I appreciate it. Darwin. Thank you uh, so much for taking some time to come speak with us. And best of luck to you and the club uh, over the next uh, seven days here with uh, Tacoma and San Diego. Okay. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate you guys for having me on the podcast. You know, it's an honor. You know, I've heard so many good things about the podcast and to be on it, you know, it's, I feel special. So thank you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, that's uh, forward winger for your Orange County Soccer Club, Darwin Jones, uh, taking some time to join us here. Yeah. Round of applause for Darwin there. Don't thank you, Darwin. Yourself. <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you guys. You guys are the best. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Darwin Joe, we got a close up of Alan there after that. Hey, you gotta, you gotta love this. Yeah. You gotta love, you know, when a player of Darwin Jones quality comes onto the podcast and he shows love to not us, but also the fans, his teammates uh, and the city and the club. It's awesome to hear awesome to see. Uh, and that's why, again, I, I think he's a, one of the favorites to win fan favorite of the year. When we do our, our awards this year, we're bringing those back. We're going to have to start checking down some of these, categories and figuring it out um thoughts still in on on what we heard from darwin there and and just so you know i'm gonna let you know he, he seems to still be in the green room listening so don't say anything bad for him don't say anything bad as you're going on here i know you I, won't but <laughs> yeah you know darwin jones my least favorite orange county player oh man i'm so bummed he's still here no um by the way he left once he heard you talking dylan so can you blame him i'm sure everyone else did too um so we'll see y'all next week no, it's it's good that it's good for the league, but it's good for the team, um, and I think it's good for us as fans to have players to ground for multiple years. I I think he's now the second most tenured player, just behind Kevin Alston. 
Um, both of them arrived in the summer of 2018. They're like a month apart, I think, or something like that, right? Yeah, about a not even month a month. And nine ahead. days, I think. Like, something like that. Okay. Very, very close to a month, month and a half. Um, it's just it's nice to be able to sing the same song um, for the same player for more than one year, but it's it's also good. I think it really helps um, when we do a big roster turnover like we did going into 2021. Beyond that, I think it's just good that guys are willing to stick around here, um, which is a stark contrast from what we were talking about at the top of the show. But it's good that they've bought in, um, and it's good that they're happy here. And um, I don't know. I guess I'll just leave it at that. It's, it's, it's a nice positive reminder, and it's good to see a guy that's going to fight, and you know he's going to give 100% and run as hard as he possibly can and work as hard as he possibly can for as many minutes as he possibly can. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, uh, again, I witnessed it. The fans just excited to see him warming up on the on, on the the sidelines, and you don't see that too often, especially in the USL because you don't have the tenure, you don't have the longevity. So it's it's a it shows how much he means to the club, to the fans, and and you know the appreciation of a player. Sort of, you can say he's been here. He's he's been here through the tough times when we had to watch the Phoenix fans storm championship soccer stadium in 2018. So he has still that, that taste in his mouth and he's going to be able to help let the newer players know what that felt like and, and how to get past that. Right. I mean, if you want to talk about tough times, we should talk about 2019 because we were not a good team through July and we saw him go from playing on the right where he I mean, naturally plays incredibly well and playing in a two up top with Michael Seaton and, I, mean, I didn't hear any complaints um, from him or uh, from his friends uh, or his teammates. And then he was joint top scorer that year. Like he can do it no matter where you put him on the pitch and he's he's happy to do it. And that's right now, I mean, if you're like a Raymond Dre and you're looking at, oh, okay, well this player is, you know, he plays in the similar position as me and look what he does. And that's that's massive for what the club's trying to do as well. So I, I'm sure Alan and Brad have a lot of love to share on this, but we do have a limited amount of time here. And I still want to quickly talk about two matches that we have coming up uh, oh before we wrap things up. What's up? Oh boy. We'll do this quick. We will do this quick. Uh, I'm just going to get your thoughts. Yes. I want to uh, go round table and just get your thoughts on these upcoming matches uh, and just sort of, we'll, we'll do score predictions, but I want to know your honest opinion of uh, how well you think Orange County can perform in these two matches. Uh, one match is tomorrow night, depending on when you listen to this podcast, Wednesday evening uh, at home against Tacoma and then a road match over the weekend against San Diego. I'll go to you first, Alan, because you got both, you got two teams here that you love and follow uh, as part of this. What are your thoughts on Orange County's upcoming two matches? Um, I, th I think this one against Tacoma is going to be really important. Uh, the same thing I said against for San Diego against Tacoma. Uh, if you're looking at playoff positionings, the way Tacoma's playing right now, uh, they're two games behind they have two games in hand and only two points back uh, so if you want to create some distance between uh, yourself and Tacoma this is a huge match for playoff implications if you get the second seed you get home if you're third seed you're on the road in mountain um, I, I, Tacoma is a good team uh, they're not amazing but they're good uh, and we've seen what they did to San Diego they've won three straight matches against San Diego uh, Orange County's had their hands full with them in the past as well uh, so this is going to be a tough match. This is one you don't want to overlook. Uh, and then with San Diego, I think Orange County and San Diego are in similar positions where uh, they're playing pretty good soccer, but they're just not putting uh, goals away consistently. Um, and uh, that game is important as well. I think Orange, if Orange County can win this one against San Diego, uh, th then um, the tiebreak is still up in the air. If uh, they draw, it's, uh, it's like a coin flip. If they lose that match, San Diego gets the the tiebreaker over them. So, two really huge matches for playoff implications. You want to distance yourself away from Sacramento as well, who they play Phoenix on the weekend. So th these are two must win games for uh, Orange County coming up. And, and you gotta understand, Orange County has struggled against Tacoma. They lost the season opener one nil up in Tacoma, and then the last match at home was a zero zero draw. So, uh, for some reason, Orange County is having a tough time against these two squads. And, uh, but hopefully 
you know, going down to San Diego, San Diego's sort of struggling. I, I'm going to get the quote wrong, but the Fairweather pod, they mentioned like it's no longer a fortress down in San Diego or whatever it is, whatever you guys said on your show. Um, San Diego looked strong at home early on, but they've struggled lately. So this is a golden opportunity for Orange County if they can figure out how to beat Tacoma, which has been tough for them this year, and then go against a struggling San Diego team on the road and still three points. Uh, Brad, quick thoughts on these matches from you. Um, well, I'm going to agree with Alan. These are both must-win matches. Uh, and it's kind of a tale of two different sides. You know, Tacoma's quietly stepped up their game, and they're two points behind Orange County uh, with two matches in hand coming off of, you know, the last five games, three wins and two draws. Um, and San Diego's kind of the opposite. Uh, four losses in their last five games. And... Also two points behind, so you know, not just because they're slumping doesn't mean that they're not a good team. Uh, so, got to keep an eye out for both of these games. And if Orange County drops points in these games, very well could be looking at you know, not being in a playoff spot. Dylan, I'll let you give your thoughts, and then I also want you to ask answer one last question here that sort of Brad led me to here is. Uh, if Orange County drops all six points here over the next two matches, is it time to panic for Orange County fans and the club? Okay. Um, six points are doable. Six points are possible. Um, it's a little bit weird. I think Orange County is coming out of a rough run of form. Um, Tacoma seems to have figured themselves out, and they've figured out how to do well on the road. Um, but they've also lost two players on loan to uh, actually Ugo Okoli's former club in AOC, uh, Alfonso Ocampo Chavez, and I think, uh, I'm just gonna have to look at it, Soda Kitihara, um, who both went out to Austria on loan. So those are, I mean, AOC has routinely uh, <laughs> given us problems in the past. That's kind of a nice one to not have to worry about as much. Um, and we have to take that home advantage and we have to take the advantage of having guys who are um, bigger and more experienced and arguably better uh, and, and more developed and just absolutely smash this team tomorrow night and you take a, a big win on Wednesday hopefully you guys get to recover in time and you take that confidence and you go down to San Diego and you play a full 90 and hopefully you smash San Diego as well um, because they've shown that you know, for once, Torero Stadium is not, uh, I mean, they're not infallible there anymore, which is, which is good. Um, but yeah, you just, they're gonna have to play 180 minutes or, you know, as we learned over the last month, probably closer to 200 minutes, uh, this week completely to do it. And honestly, I think, yeah, if we drop all six points, it is time to panic. And that doesn't mean, and I'm sure someone will tweet about it, um, it does not mean you fire Brayden and you change the team and you just, just start hacking the team apart and going like crazy 4 4 2 or something. No, it means that the players have to buy in uh, and it has to be distraction free and they have to really every game play it as if it's their last. Um, the team's going to be healthier. In the next coming weeks, we'll get Nate Smith back. We'll get Thomasina Holtzen back. Seth Kasipoli is back in training, apparently. Um, and we'll see if we get him back by the end of the year. But it's not necessarily do or die yet. Uh, if, we load, if we drop all six points, then I think it is. All right. Um, I, I think because we like to try and stay at an hour max, we're right there at that point. So I think it's time to go ahead and wrap things up. I'm going to give everyone a last opportunity to raise your hand, say something, uh, just yell that you have something else to say before we wrap things up tonight or for this episode. Going once, going score twice. Predictions. Score predictions. Let's do them really quick. So we have two matches to do score predictions on. We're going to do Tacoma first, followed by uh, San Diego. So I'm going to go to each of you and just give your score for Tacoma and then your score against San Diego so we can add it to the sheet. We're going to go with Alan first. 1-1 uh, against Tacoma and 0-1 against San Diego. Uh, Brad, what's your uh, predictions? 
Uh, 2-0 versus Tacoma and uh, 2-1 versus San Diego. Um, Dylan? 4-0 versus Tacoma, 2-1 versus San Diego. 2-1 versus San Diego. All right. And I'm going to go. I don't know if you can hear my drum roll on my table, but I'm going to go. 5-0 Tacoma and 5-0 San Diego. I need to make this happen. I need to bring back the the magic of my weird predictions here. So, um, yes. See, you you are so convinced that it's the five nil every week. The real key to success is Darwin Jones, and he's not even in the green room, so he doesn't even know. <laughs> Correlation does not equal causation. All right, Brad. You hey, talk you know to me what? when your team loses four one in a July summer's day, and you get your head shaved. Oh, is that? <laughs> Is it too soon? Oh, no. My hair's grown back and quite full, if you've noticed, just like your hair. Well, now it's truly nonsense time. Um, I guess it's time for random thoughts, and we're just, it's the end of the show, so I'm going to take it over from Ray. Um, Brad, since you have so much hair, maybe there's some thinking going on there, too. Uh, you got a random thought? Um, dealer Dealerships are terrible, and... You already shared that. Yeah, I know I already said that, but it's random thought time. This is my moment, and you are wasting my time. Um, but if Dylan wants to put another hair bet on the line, I guess I'm down with it. We support the same team now, so I'm not sure how that would be facilitated. Maybe, but maybe one of these two. Maybe yeah. one of these two can we'll, figure, we'll it out. figure it out. No, Alan can't. I'll, I'll do, I'll, then I'll do a bet with Dylan right now. I'll, I'll do the bet right now for the hair, Dylan. My... English squad will finish higher in the leagues than yours. Wow, what a great bet. Um, I'm not going to take that. Enjoy your cheese room and your strikeless team. Alan, your random thought. Uh, please be safe. Things are still out there. Kids under 12 aren't vaccinated. So be safe, please. Apparently I should be scared about Brad because we're not exactly sure what he's doing there on screen. He's saying oh, Everton um, are magic, but... Yeah. Because they disappear yeah, kids, when it matters. There's probably a joke about kids under 12 there, but I'll let the legal system figure that one out for us. Um, Ray, your random thoughts? Hey, um, everyone knows I'm a Tottenham fan, uh, and potentially life without Harry Kane will be fine, uh, as what we saw against Manchester City this past weekend in a 1-0 uh, victory for Tottenham. So who needs Harry Kane, Right. Right? Tottenham does. Ooh, yeah, they do. But do they want him now after all this shenanigans that's happened in the offseason? Uh, You're going to say no to a player of Harry Kane's caliber. If he doesn't want to be here, yes. All right. Um, and my random thought is, well, he hasn't been a guest on the show yet, but uh, he did make a documentary about our film back in 2019. That's Kyle Scoble. You can find him on Twitter at ScobleVision. What, what, Ray, what? We are working on getting him on the podcast. So we're, we're going to have him on here um, to talk about the life of documentaryism. No, documentary filmmaking. Same anyway, um, yeah, former uh, youth teammate of our guest today, Darwin Jones, even. But Kyle made a film called uh, Birth of a Fan two years ago. It features uh, some members of the County Line Coalition. It does not feature me, which is pretty great. Um, and he was selected for an international film fest, so I believe that's going to be happening in October or November, and we will be sure to um, share the details of that virtual showing. But I am absolutely ecstatic for him um, and ecstatic for the group to get a little bit of international love, hopefully, um, because I know... He worked really hard on that film, and uh, documentary filmmaking goes very unloved. And so it's it's good to see we have some joy after a maybe tumultuous morning. Snore. <laughs> well, then just go to bed because it is late. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's referring to his predictions he made right before. Dead air. It's your show again. Yeah, it's your but show again. You took right? over. You that orange and black soccer cast. Yeah, you took um, over, Dylan. Fair enough. Well, uh, I'm not exactly sure who this person is, but their suggestions were 2-0 and 1-1, and that seems like a very fair, realistic option. Um, let's go on the bus. All right. 
Well, I'm excited um, to see a bunch of Orange County fans come down to San Diego and enjoy the finest city. Uh, Mission so, Valley? <laughs> America's finest city. Well, well I'm excited <laughs> to for some drunken fisticuffs against Alan. I'm just kidding. Maybe a hug. Um, there you go. Yeah, but uh, to all of you, I'll see you tomorrow or on Saturday or, you know, maybe on the internet next week. For Brad up in Reno, for Alan, Dan in San Diego, for Ray in Aliso, and for myself in an undisclosed location somewhere in Orange County, this is the Orange and Black Star cast. And Darwin. And Darwin Jones, our guest. And Darwin Jones. My apologies to the federal way born, no, Chicago born, federal way raised Darwin Jones. Um, For all four of those people and myself, this is the Orange and Black Soccer cast. Oh!